praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight, Lord God. How we thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let us just pray together, can we? Lord, how we worship you tonight. We are so thankful, Lord God, your great mercy that's been extended to us, Lord. Lord God, we're so grateful that grace still amazes us. I pray, Father, it never loses that amazing power to overwhelm our hearts, our minds, our souls as we contemplate the greatness of our God. We love you so much. So thankful, Father, that we could be gathered together here again tonight, Lord. Oh, it's not all of us. It's not the way we wish it could be. But yet, Lord, we're so grateful for those of us that can come. And Lord, we we notice every time that we gather, whether it's the first group, the second group, the last group, what we've noticed is you're here every time. So you don't have respect to the first group and not show up on the second or respect to the second and not show up on the third, but you show up every time, Lord. And we're so grateful, Father. We love you so much. Lord, we know that you're mindful of our needs, dear God. We so appreciate you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you'll just help us tonight, fathers. We've come to worship you and to magnify your name, to set at your table. Lord, we've also come, as your prophet said, to hear our faults and our shortcomings, that we might be better people, Lord. I pray that you'd take your word and speak to us, Lord. Help me to get out of the way, Father, that I can just be a surrendered vessel to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you, saints. Ain't it good to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. So good to be together again in the house of the Lord. A little testimony to share with you. I had a kidney stone that said, I shall not be moved. But the Lord said, he will roll back the stone. And he did Thursday night. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Brother Joel told me before service, he thought I looked lighter, so I must have passed some weight, stone, you know. So I certainly appreciate you praying for me. Thank you. I hated to even bring it to you. I know you've got so many troubles and worries and so many more important things to pray about, but I thank you for praying for me, and I just wanted to share that little little dab of victory. We need it every now and then, don't we? Praise the Lord. Let's read tonight again, if you would, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. We'll read uh, two verses uh, there, chapter 2, verse 10, and verse 11. We're talking about His grace, and what a great, powerful thing that it is. Notice Paul, the writer here, we believe, of, of Hebrews. For it became Him for him whom are all things, and by whom are all things. Now, you have to keep in mind in this first century, when Hebrews was written around 70-something A.D., uh, from 68 to 72, somewhere in there is where they think it was written. Already the doctrines had started moving in the first church age. 
And there were some that was believing and teaching that Jesus was God, that he had pre-existed not as another person, but as that expression of God. But there were other people that were getting in among the church and they were teaching that Jesus actually was not God, that Jesus was an inferior being that God had created and God had used this, what we call Jesus, as basically a mere instrument. So God would take this and God made this and then God would take this and he'd make that and God took this and made that and took this and made that. So they were making Jesus less than God. So when Paul is writing that, he's writing it, of course, for us and the future ages, but he's also dealing with that spirit which is already in the church there. Now, when you, when you read this, then it gives you a little better understanding of why he would say things in the way he would say it. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. In bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. Our pass back to the throne of God through the work of reconciliation was revealed by the mighty God in the act of kenosis. But it was not in the way that man would have chosen to have done it, but it was chosen in the way of mere weakness. It's hard for our minds to comprehend the very thoughts from the heart of God that God would look at strength being perfected through weakness. We think, of course, in a total opposite way. And we'll pick up from where we were Wednesday night. I'm sure you've been following the services, even though you've not been able to be here. And how that God actually, through our Lord Jesus Christ, that God was able to start the work of reconciliation and bring the elect back into their place that they were before the foundation of the world. With that work of reconciliation, there will be others that will be picked up along the journey, even though they are not considered in redemption, they are considered as those which were lost that have been found. And they are not of the very nature of God, they're not of the seed of God, but they are offered eternal life and they will accept it. As the rich young ruler was offered life, turned it down. Cain was offered life, turned it down. But there will be many, many millions of people that will be offered eternal life and they will accept it. Thank God for that. Now, whenever we see a pattern of God, we can always know that God is immutable in His ways. He's immutable in His thinking immutable in his behavior 
And that is that God cannot alter or change. So if we can ever find something that is the nature of God, seasons change, times change, the impartation of revelation changes, the light, the significance of what God is doing. But he said, I am God, in the book of Malachi, he said, I am God and I change not. Hebrews 13, 8, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if we find the nature of God and how God wants to move, then we can know that he's the same and he will never alter from that. So if God began this work of reconciliation and he did it through the act of kenosis, but he expressed it through a channel that would be so misunderstood and it was the channel of weakness. So the Lord Jesus appeared in that way conquered that way, raised that way, then the New Testament church must also follow the same pattern. So it lets us know them whenever we and our thinking begin to think, well, you know, we're the mighty so-and-so, we're the great big so-and-so, we're this, that, the other. It lets us know we're going beyond the pattern of God. There's only one great one among us, and that's the Lord Jesus. There ain't no mighty ones, Reagan, John, Smith, Brown, whatever you are, whatever your skin color are, how much ever you're worth financially, that don't amount to a hill of beans in the kingdom of God. And there's only one big one among us. Now we see this then in the very pattern of the book of Acts, how that God would allow his church to display such miraculous power on one cycle of what God would do with them. And then you see them in another cycle that they would experience such weakness. A man like Paul that would have the power of God on him, that he would be able to cast out devils by the spoken word, lay his hands on someone with a bloody flux and through the power of God cause that bloody flux and their body to stop. He would be able to speak to those that was burning up of the fever and the fever be diminished and then return to this element of normalcy and that same man let down a wall in a basket and escape like a coward in the night. Now, you see, this is what man does not understand. Now, man could relate to the supernatural. Man could relate. This is what man would want. Man would want then that all of these men and us as well, that everywhere we did, my great phenomenal would happen. Great supernatural would be there. We'd cast out devils, raise the dead, heal the sick. But to be let down in a wall, in a basket, in a nighttime, and this man would actually run as a coward? So would that have hurt your confidence in him as your church age messenger? And you'd have heard it rumored back in the church the next day. Well, where's Paul? Oh, praise God. He's going to be standing right up against Rome. Boy, they'll put him in jail. Oh, haven't you heard? He left after dark last night. What? Well, how did he do that? Did he march up to the gates and and absolutely defy the Roman centurions and the guards? Somebody told me that he sneaked out the city after dark and they let him down a wall in a basket and he run like a coward. Well, praise God. But you know what? It was God's way. You believe what you want. It was God's way for the Lord Jesus to come in a way that looked like such weakness. 
And the church is exactly the same way. Now, this same man would sit there in the Roman jail in Philippi after the Spirit of God had come and shaken the jailhouse down. And the Roman jailer come in and was going to take his life. And he said, don't take your life. We're all here. But Paul sat right there and waited for the Romans to come in. And they said, all right, you're free to go. He said, you're a Roman citizen? He said, yes, we are a Roman citizen and you have beat us unlawful. Then he said, all right, well, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. Please, please just leave. He said, I'm not leaving until you send the magistrates of the city and they come and apologize to us and then we will leave. Now, this is the very same man that run seemingly in the shadows of the night and look like a coward. Well, there's a time to sit there and defy the devil and there's a time to catch the first basket over the wall. Now, the difference is we've got to be led by the Spirit of God. I don't know about you, I'm not looking to be no martyr. Now, if it's the allocation of my life, then so be it. I remember when I was in China with Brother Biscoe and there and he got arrested and all that stuff, I wasn't really looking to be arrested. I didn't really be one of thrown in a, in a Chinese prison. I didn't want to be interrogated. I didn't want to know nothing about it, but neither did I want to run. So Brother Biscoe was able to call his wife and tell her it would be a great time to be in Happy Valley. So someone from there called me, Brother Donnie, you need to leave. I said, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving him here. No, he wants you to leave. So I thought, God, what do I do? Do I leave? Do you want me to leave? Do you want me to stay? Brother Murphy said, Brother Donnie, we better go. They're going to be looking for you. I know them. I know what they'll do. But in one way, I felt like a coward. I felt like I got on the plane and I'm flying out of there and I'm leaving my brother sitting back there. But yeah, I felt like that's what they wanted me to do. They prayed. I prayed, Lord, help me. Listen to the counsel of my advisors. And I looked back and I realized it was the right thing for me to do. But other times you think, no, the Spirit of God would say, you stand right here. I will deliver you. So what did the Lord Jesus, one of his main purposes coming to the earth for, was to help us to find the leadership of the Spirit of God in our lives that sometimes he would help us to avoid certain dilemmas. Other times he would lead us right into the middle of a dilemma in order to bring us out by a supernatural power. But what we as humans tend to do, we tend to follow in a certain path and then we want to repeat the same path. Well, I would look more victorious if I'd done this. I would look bigger if I'd done that. And that's part of our problem. God sometimes wants us to be humiliated so he's the one that looks the biggest in the whole scenario anyhow. So God is not interested in pampering or babying our pride. God is more interested in fulfilling his will and his word in our lives. Is that right? So there's times of of course, when God would deliver with a supernatural hand, and thank God, God come on the scene for Brother Biscoe. You remember the story of that, how that happened, and the Lord phenomenally moved in a wonderful way, and we're so grateful for that. But yet, there would be other times that the Spirit of God would say, don't you leave, you stay right here. I've got more work for you to do. And when me and Brother Murphy was on that trip, whenever we went back, I went back later, and we was at a certain place, and I told Brother Murphy, I said, we need to leave. He said, why? I said, I don't know. I feel in my heart we need to leave. 
Oh my, he said, boy, pick up the phone where you want to go. I said, let's go to the next place. I said, I keep feeling this strange feeling, Brother Murphy. He said, let's go. We'll not stay here another night. He got on the phone that night, and we was out there the next day. We moved from one hotel to another. When we did, a guy got on a motorcycle, followed us all the way out looking at us where we go. The Spirit of God knows how to lead us. When many times we don't know how to lead ourselves. Is that right, saints? So we find then when God would allow the Lord Jesus to come that way that would be the pattern, the consequence of events, if we call it that that he would lead his church in the same way. Now whenever we go to looking at the life of Paul, the great man that he was, and none of them surpassed him of course as far as the New Testament was concerned, a man that was allowed to be called up into paradise now let's read this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations that was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. Notice now, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Well, why didn't the Holy Ghost keep him humble? Y'all believe he had the Holy Ghost? Y'all believe he was born again? Church age messenger? Filled with the Spirit of God, apostle, prophet, church age messenger, filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, why didn't the Holy Ghost keep him humble? You mean God would have to allow a messenger of the devil, a thorn in? Notice where the thorn was. It wasn't a thorn in the soul. It wasn't a thorn in the spirit. It was a thorn in the flesh. And it kept sticking him and prodding him from time to time. And it would ease up and then it would hit him again. Now he gives us the very reason why he had to have this was because the abundance of the revelations that were given to him were so great. He would have become exalted above measure. Now I know friend, we don't like to look at it this way, but it proves to us even after we are born again that our flesh still has a great impact on our spiritual to walk with God. And people want to project and preach that if you've got the Holy Ghost, oh my, you'll never have no more struggles with your flesh. Well, you're preaching that Paul didn't have the Holy Ghost then. Well, hallelujah. Well, my goodness, if the Holy Ghost is, will do it all, then why in the world did he need this thorn? Amen. The Holy Ghost will empower us. That's right. But God has to allow sometimes things that gouge our old flesh and rub our old flesh the wrong way in order to keep us in a place of humiliation. That's why you're still living in this tabernacle of humiliation. Now, notice he said, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So whenever God does not bring a deliverance and the grace imparted to match whatever it is we're going through will actually be a greater value than the deliverance of the trial or the test or the affliction that you're going through. Now we want to lay our hands on the sick and we'll continue to do that as long as we are here. We 
will pray for folks. We will do all of that, but we all have enough sense to know that we can pray for them, and there's some that we'll pray for them many, many times maybe, but if the will of God has a purpose for that being there as a thorn, it will be there when I get done praying for you. I don't care who you get to pray for you. If God has a reason for it, then it will be there. Is that right? Notice then, so the grace of God that will be imparted to you, if God allows something to come your way, an affliction, a trouble, a heartache, a difficulty as part of your cross in order to be part of your crown, then God is absolutely obligated to give you grace to go with your thorn. Now what's amazing is this type of a burden comes because of the abundance of revelation. So revelations and thorns go together. Who would ever thought of such a thing? That revelations and thorns go together. So if revelations and thorns go together, then also abundant grace must accompany those thorns or the believer would be so overwhelmed we could never be able to bear. So Paul looks at this then and says, this gives me great hope and it imparts to me a great value when the Lord Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. Notice this, he said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, it has its most perfect manifestation when we are at our weak time. Now, I'm not talking about being weak and you're leaning towards sin and being so weak spiritually that you cannot be able to overcome. I'm talking about when you've done everything that you know to do and yet you feel so deprived of spiritual strength and you just feel you're so burdened down and you just don't know what else to do and you don't know which way to turn. I'm not talking about you sinning and doing that sort of thing. But when you feel so weak in yourself in your walk with God and you don't know what else to do, you don't know where to turn, then God's strength is actually made more complete the more weak we get. But now remember it's not weak in God, it's actually weak in ourselves. When we are so deprived of our own ability, and this is why the prophet tells us in this sermon, perfect strength to perfect weakness, that we must master the thought of human ability. That God cannot take anything that we have, and God will not use our strengths, God will not use any of those things that we're so proud of, but we must master the thought of human ability. Oh, praise the Lord. Notice then, actually our weaknesses are the very opportunity which the grace of God can manifest itself. So when we are conscious that we are little, when we are conscious that we cannot do it. Now remember, this is not your confession to where you're saying, well, I just can't do it, I just can't do it. No, no, your confession is, I cannot do this on my own. I cannot do this by myself. Now that is not a negative confession. That is a proper balance because you're putting yourself where you need to be and you're putting him where he needs to be and that is the preeminent one. I cannot do this on my own. I cannot do this by myself, but I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. This is our confession. 
Notice, you know, in the times of affliction, in the times of weakness, is actually when the power of God is so illustrious. It's when the power of God is revealed in such excellency of his glory. Now, you know, you know it as well as I do, that the stars are constantly just beyond our horizon in the daylight as well as the dark. But because our sun is so bright, it would, we'd hardly ever even see the stars. We'll see, of course, the morning star first thing in the morning, and then we'll see the same star, which is Venus. We'll see her in the evening right before dark, even when it is daylight. But there are trillions of stars that are right outside of that, but we don't even see them because the illumination of the sun. But what is it that makes those stars so beautiful and shine so bright? It is actually the darkness of the night, which means the sun is on the other side of the earth, and when it is there, and I've seen the night skies in Africa, I've seen the night skies in Canada, oh my, it depends on where you are on the earth, it's just absolutely amazing. The night skies in Australia, the night skies in New Zealand, totally different than our skies here. The night skies in Europe and whatever more. And it's, it's so beautiful. And yet whenever we are experienced in the daylight, there's another part of the earth that is experienced in the dark. And then the stars are still there, but we just cannot see them. So what is it that brings them out? It is the darkness of the night. Is that right? And you look at them and say, oh, how beautiful, how wonderful. Look there, there's the Big Dipper. There's Orion. There's the Pleiades. There's the two sisters. There's this, that and the other. But yet you don't see them when the sun is shining so brilliant and so wonderful. And how many times have we looked to trials and difficulties in our life and we saw things about ourselves and we saw things about our God and we saw things about our church and we saw things about our message that we would have never appreciated had the light been so bright during the day. But it's when we go through a struggle and when we can't come to church like we want to. And when we can't be able to get together, just even visit one another. And you say, wow, I can't wait till we can get together again. Whoever saw shaking hands would be worth so much. Whoever saw just hugging a brother's neck or a sister's neck, Brother John, would be so valuable to us as the believers in Christ. But can't you wait to be able to do that again? But what is it that's made us appreciate that? Well, it's this darkness. It's this strain. It's this trial that we're going through. And it will have more value. I don't think I'll ever shake anybody's hand the same way again. I don't think I'll ever hug anybody's neck the same way again. I'll tell you one thing. I always, I, I'm a huggy person. I'm always a touchy person, you know, shaking people's hands and all that. I will appreciate it once we get to do it again more than I ever have in all of my life. Because it is during the time of this darkness where we've had to so change our lives and reorchestrate many things that we do that it makes you appreciate just being able to go to Walmart without a mask on. And been asked, do you have a fever? Do you have your sense of taste? Can't you tell by looking at me, I do. Don't you have your sense of smell? Do you have, you're saying, what is the matter with you? Do you think I would honestly be here? Won't it be good when you can just walk in the door and you're not standing there being counted? And as you leave, you're standing there being counted? Look at all these things that we never even thought would ever come to us, right? In America? Look at all the things that are happening. All these people can gather together by the thousands and protest, and yet we still can't gather together. I don't think some about this is right, do you? 
So what is it? Why? Because of where we are. It will make us so appreciate the stars that are in our life. Now, it is through this time that God reveals to Paul this greatness. So our strength is often his rival, but our weakness is his opportunity. But you see, our security in ourself is Satan's opportunity. Now listen, our self-reliance, our self-confidence, our, 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 oh my, our ability, I can do it, I can do it. And you know as well as I do, the stronger we are in ourself, we limit God's help and God's power in our own lives. Oh my goodness. Man's weakness is God's opportunity. Man's security is Satan's opportunity opportunity. Think of how simple that is and yet profound. Christ's power is best displayed when our weakness has so overwhelmed us that we don't know what to do. Oh, so why? Why, Brother Donnie, would God do that? So God alone can be praised for accomplishing the work in our hearts. Oh, think of it. That God would take, not a theologian in this day, God did not take some great professor of theology, but God took a Kentuckian with a seventh grade education and sent him around the world and prayed for kings and monarchs and the greatest supernatural ministry outside of the Lord Jesus that ever struck the earth. It was not a man of great personality, a man of great, great education. It was a nobody. Amen. I'm glad I heard that nobody. I want you to notice this in perfect strength. Brother Brown referring to Paul. Oh, death said, I'll get you in a few minutes. And the grave said, I'll mold you out yonder. He said, oh, death, where's your strain? Grave, where's your victory? I know I'm laying here in this Roman dungeon. Now listen to this great mighty conqueror, this great prophet of God in this state he was in. Bound in chains, my wrist and hands I got 39 stripes across my back. I'm here with tears scalding my eyes until I can't see no more. I can't see with my natural eye, but I can see a crown of righteousness laid up yonder. My ankles are wore out. I fell off so much from the old molded bread they throwed in here. And the rats has run over me. And spiders. Till I'm weak. But he could stand in the face of death and say, where is your sting? Now friends, I've been through a lot of things. You've been through a lot of things. I ain't never been there. Now remember, this ain't because he robbed a bank. This ain't because he's peddling moonshine and wouldn't pay an excise tax. This is for the cause of Jesus Christ. Now where is the display of power? Why would God allow his prophet messenger? We stood there years ago, Brother Gene. They're near that place, in that prison. Why would God allow his prophet to be in that prison with his chains all bound and my, he, he, his weight lost and my so pale and, and so drawn up and just pitiful looking? A prophet of God. And then him writing, I've found whatever state I'm in. Yes. 
to be content there was. Then we complain in our soft, loose, lax, Laodicean way. God forgive us. Notice this. Oh my, the chain shaking on his hands. Hallelujah. That's what we need. Grave, where's your victory? The grave said, I'll rot you, Paul. He said, but thanks be to God, I've already got the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to Hebrews eleven thirty-two. What shall I say? I'm more say. For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness obtained promises mama stopped the mouths of lions quenched the violence of fire escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness I hope you understand this statement I'm fixing to make they shook the powers of darkness with the irresistible power of weakness they shook hell to the power of weakness <laughs> Praise be to God. Quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, wax valiant in fight. Turned the flight of the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain. A better resurrection. Now watch the swift transition of thought. As Paul moves from the obvious triumphs to what would be the overlooked conquests through the power of weakness. It would seem as if though it was defeats. But he switches right in the middle of his thought. And he goes from those who, oh my, who was able to conquer the fire, conquer the lions, conquer the other things. And then he says those who were refused, they refused deliverance because they were tortured. How in the world could you go from what seemingly was victories to those? In verse 36, others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings yeah. yea moreover of bonds and imprisonment now were these in this verse not loved as much as the ones in the other verses yeah. what about those that they threw to the lions and the tigers in the Roman Colosseum were they not loved as much as those who were in this preceding verse that stopped the mouths of lions? Daniel stopped the mouths of lions by the power of God. But many of our brothers and sisters in the Roman Colosseum 
were eaten by lions. Were they not loved as much? Did God somehow look on them and say, I don't care for you as much as I did, Daniel. But God chose to show His greatness through their weakness. God needed a bride seed that would be sown in the dirt in order to produce a life cycle of an omega bride. If God would have raptured that first bride, you and I would have never been allowed to live. But God allowed that first bride church to mature and come to that place of fruition and then allow them to be sown in the dirt of the denominations and allow them to be crushed, hated, despised. And I hope you understand what I'm fixing to say. They were just as victorious as Daniel was. Praise God. Don't you understand? Victory is when you and I walk in the divine providence of the call of God for our lives. God may call some of us to stop the mouths of the lions. What if he allows others of us to be eaten by the mouths of lions? If that is his will, I am just as much in the will of God. And I have been victorious just as much as the man who said, you stop there, lion. But that's not the way we look at it. Oh, how we love to turn in the testimonies. And I love reading them and I love hearing them. I had cancer and I went back to the hospital, back to the doctor, and they did the scan. And the doctor said, I don't know what happened, but it's gone. We don't know what happened. We have no explanation. Oh, what a mighty God. What a mighty God. It is. But then a brother or a sister, a young brother or sister, and if it would be God's will for them to go that way and succumb, as we would call it, to leukemia or to, to some other horrific disease, and we pray for them and pray for them, I say, oh God, how did they, how did they not win? How did I, what do you mean, how do they not win? How can they not win if they're a child of God? Hallelujah. I think about our brother Junior Davis, the prayers that we prayed for our brother. I think about every time I went to the hospital to see him. During that time frame, if you'll remember, I was preaching and dealing with the confessions and right after when he started dealing with his, his sickness. And boy, just as sure as he was in the hospital, some of his family, some of them made a board for him and had it right up on the wall. So the doctor's board, the chart, and the nurse's chart had to kind of move over a little bit. Because whatever room Brother Junior was in, his confession board was going to be right up there. Now you imagine how many people come in there and look at it. Yeah, right, we've seen this before. How many of them will lose the battle to cancer? Our Brother Junior did not lose the battle to cancer. He won the battle. As a matter of fact, that cancer that was in his body has been dead for a long time. But Brother Junior ain't a bit more dead than God's dead because he's in another realm. 
Now, was it the victory that I wanted? Maybe his family, some of them sitting here tonight that they wanted? Probably not. But yet, ultimately, what we want out of our lives is the will of God to be accomplished. And we would look at him and say, oh my, oh, it was so sad. And sure, it was sad. And I still feel sorry for Sister Judy and their family because they loved him and miss him so much. But if that was God's crowning achievement that this brother held his testimony right down to the very last breath, never give up, never foolishly charged God, maintained his testimony. Don't you tell me it was not a victory. That's right. It was a victory. I think of our brothers and sisters, many of them that have gone on with saying, well, they lost a battle. Don't you tell me that because I'm not going to hear it from you. They did not lose. A child of God cannot lose. A son or daughter of God cannot lose because we are children of the Most High God. But God may have a different story wrote for your life than someone else. So you imagine right in this transition of this victorious, heroic chapter of Hebrews 11, Paul changes and he says, Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute. I thought David said I once was young and now I'm old. I've never seen this, the righteous forsaken nor seed begging bread. I wonder how many times the devil took those scriptures and tried when it was these people's lot in life to go this way. And Satan would take that word, hey you. I thought you loved God. I thought you served Him with all your heart. And now I thought the Bible said He'd never leave you. I thought the Bible said, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be in health. You, he don't even love you enough to give you decent clothes. You're wearing a sheepskin or a goat skin. Boy, He sure don't love you, does He? Don't you tell me the devil don't know how to take that word and use it against us. But if this was their allocation in life and they follow this allocation in life and they're faithful right to the very end, they are just as victorious as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In one sense of the word, their reward will be so tremendous because in the midst of their weakness, in the midst of their bewilderment of their mind, God, I don't understand, God. I claim your promises. Oh, God, I'm destitute. God, I'm a Ashamed to even go to a meeting. I ain't even got decent clothes, Lord. I hear of the Corinthians and they've got these fine clothes. They've got this and that and the other, Lord. I I just had to kill a sheep and and we ate it for supper. And now, Lord, I'm having to make clothes for me and my wife. Oh, God, I don't understand. I don't understand. But, brother, sister, if this was their lot in life, they will stand there that day. Now, I want to be there, don't you? As I watch the Lord Jesus crown these type of people with a great crown of life. They will were victorious and in their weakness the grace of God kept them. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, 
tormented of whom the world was not worthy. Now, when you get to feeling sorry for yourself, open your Bible to Hebrews 11 and start reading some of these verses. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves. Dens where bears would live and foxes and wolves and coyotes. You imagine the devil saying, hey, I thought the Bible said, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. Hey, you, hey, you, I thought God's word said, delight thyself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Hey, didn't that Jesus of yours say, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will. And it'll be given to you. Now here you and your wife and your kids, you lost your home, you ain't got no place to live, and you had to run a bear out of his den in order for you to have a place to live. Did not your Jesus say, if any two of you agree on earth is touching one thing, whatever you ask, it'll be done. Y'all prayed for a house, y'all prayed for a place to live, y'all prayed for food, and you wound up in a bear den. Hello, Happy Valley. Oh my goodness. Would you all believe the Lord Jesus loved you? If you lost all the clothes out of your closet, repossessed your car, your home, and you was found in a cave somewhere, would you still be faithful and true? And say, naked I come into this world, naked I'll leave, the Lord given, the Lord took away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Or would we cry and bellyache and moan and groan? Yeah. Amen. 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 Now you're the only one that can answer that. <laughs> oh my. Wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And listen to this. And these all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Now I want you to notice how Paul captures this and makes it singular. Because to the Jews, the ultimate promise of the Old Testament was the first one that God made. And that was Messiah. Amen. This was the promise. Now, watch Paul is speaking many of these Old Testament characters, of course. Those come up to the time of the Maccabees, on up unto the time of John the Baptist. And he's saying that all of those people went through those horrific things. And they lived a life of faith. But they never received the promise. The promise. The promise. Now, of course, the land of Canaan was a promise. A land of financial blessings was a promise. But the promise was the Messiah. 
So emphatically they live their life pointing in that direction and they live their entire life and God never let them see it. And they were faithful. Notice in verse 40, and then he says, God, having provided, praise be to God, some better thing for us. What was it? The coming of the Messiah through an act of condescension in the flesh. You understand how blessed you are to be able to believe this? Just seeing that within itself is such a wonderful blessing that we are heirs of the promise. That we understand who he was, why he came, why he died, why he raised again. Notice this, God having provided some better thing for us that they. That they. And he doesn't say that they without Jesus. They without Jesus, but they without us. Praise be to God. Why? Because the whole system of revelation is revealed in increments. And God let out a little bit and a little bit more. And there was a people in that age on the earth that was able to grab that increment of light and that increment of truth and they made up that mystical body even down to the Old Testament. They were believers without the quickening of the Spirit of God, but they had the seed word. And it will take all of them to make up the body of the Old Testament. Then when we come to the New Testament, how will they be raised? When the revelation comes inside the seven church ages, amen, they without us will not be complete. Praise be to God. So it is revealed in successive ages. One generation dies, another one comes on the scene, another one dies another one comes on the scene and the revelation is successive and it takes all of them together to raise the entire body up in the resurrection. Oh my. And here we are and we growl and grumble and complain. Notice this. Can I have a little bit more time? Notice it goes from there. The very next verse which is chapter Chapter 1, chapter 12, rather, verse 1. Wherefore seeing, we also are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. You understand who those witnesses are, don't you? Those saints of Hebrews 11. Paul takes this word cloud from the theater and from the Colosseum, from the games and from the actors guild and they would have a great cloud as they called it or crowd of people that would come and watch them entertain and they would watch them in the Colosseum or the amphitheater so Paul adapts this word and he said, now they have already moved into the great cloud that is beyond our sight. And we are now the actors on the earth. Don't you understand? This is our part of the Father's drama. 
It's like he's had different scenes. There was Adam and then there was Abel and there was Seth and there was Enos and Enoch and on down, on down, on down. And then God in this age gave, gave his prophet a great part of the drama and he came on the earth and he was trying to learn, you know, what do I do? My brothers tell me this is an evil spirit and the angel come and pulled him behind the screen and gave him a little further understanding, amen, of what his part in the drama was. My, my, my brothers tell me this is of the devil I am sent from the presence of Almighty God to tell you of your peculiar birth. Oh, but my brothers tell me this is of the devil. Oh, he said, but years later, he said, whenever he made it known to me, to me, it was Luke 17, 30. It was Revelation 10. It was Malachi 4. Thank God he played that part faithfully. Did he not? Sure he did. Then when he went off the scene, who's now on the scene? My, we've had our fathers before us, but now, my brother, sister, it is us. I believe with all of my heart, we are the last Gentiles on the earth. We have the closing part of the father's drama in the seventh church age. Oh my, it won't be long that the drama will change once again and Moses and Elijah will reappear for the 144,000. I believe we're in the last hours. Oh, pray. Be to God. This is why the pressure of the darkness is so against it. But Brother Donnie, we will fail. No, we won't fail. The whole drama is waiting on the actors right now. You young people have got to make it. You've got young people on the other side that are waiting for you. You've got many of them that gave their lives. And if you could hear them tonight, they are cheering you on. You young men, you young women, you old men, you old women saying you. You can make it. You can succeed. We are counting on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we don't see them. But they're not but 20 feet from us. You see, when he was laying there, in the bed with his head propped up like this with his hands behind his head thinking of the song Beyond the Curtain of Time and the voice said to him would you like to see it? he said oh I think it would help me so much then he felt something happen in 1965 when he tells us some things that ought to be it relates it, of course, in several different sermons. But he said as he was going up out of the body and he looked back, and there his wife was laying over in the bed, in the other twin bed. And there he was with his arms still laying back behind his bed like this. And he thought, you know, I, I've died in a heart attack. Yeah. Now remember, he was not in form of theophany yet. In form of theophany, he would have known it was a translation. Was it his soul? Was it the seed gene? Who knows exactly what it was. But it was able to reason. It was able to talk. It was able to look back. And he said, there was not 20 feet from my body. So heaven is not millions of miles away and just keep going and going and going out yonder in space and go through black holes and this and that and the other. It's in a faster dimension. Think of it, our loved ones are not 20 feet from where we are, those that have gone on. Praise be to God. That great angelic host, 
Amen. That presence that we feel in service and in our lives, it's the angels of God that come to minister to us, to the heirs of life. And as he looks back, there he is, his body, and he says, you know, I've I've died with a heart attack, so he must have appeared, Harry, lifeless. His eyes must not have been open or they were so still that he thought he died. And he's no longer inhaling, exhaling, inhaling, exhaling. And he looks as if though he's dead from these eyes 20 feet. So, I mean, that's pretty close. He can look and see. And then all of a sudden, not 20 feet from his body, he hears all these people. Oh, my precious brother. Oh, my precious brother. What is it? A great cloud of many Witnesses. What are they witnessing to? They've already witnessed to the changing power of God that was able to take them beyond the river. They've already witnessed that the sixth dimension is a real world. They have already witnessed they're not tired, they're not hungry, they're not going anywhere, they're not sad, they're not lonely. They have witnessed to the power of God. Amen. Amen, Brother Citron. What have they done? Notice Paul said, then seeing that we are compassed about. Here we are. And we are on the stage of the drama of life. And we are the very last actors in the Gentile part of this scene. Who knows how it will close out? Will it close out with darkness? Will it close out with plagues? Will it close out with riots in our nation? Will there be violence? And who knows exactly what it will be? I don't know. And sometimes I'm glad I don't know what the future holds. And all I know to do is just read what little excerpt that the Father gives me in my part of the drama. Praise the Lord. Don't you want to do your part? My years and years ago when I first got saved and they had a Christmas play there at my uncle's church and and, uh, they did the Christmas carol. And I was the little cripple boy. I didn't have much to say as you know. But it just so happened that my line was the crescendo to this whole play. And if I did not say my line and say it right, then the whole play would not have been a success. Was I nervous? Of course I was nervous. I didn't like getting in front of people then. I sure don't like it now. So here I am in the arms of this guy. David Rednar was his name. And he's holding me there and it comes time. My little heart racing in my chest and I feel my face flush. Because everybody that knew the play, oh God. Everybody that knew the play and in practice that knew it was my time. And they knew me. <laughs> they knew I wasn't very good. And they were nervous. And I was nervous. Oh my. If I could look beyond the veil tonight and see the great cloud of witnesses that are gathered around us. Peter, James, John, Thaddeus, Bartholomew, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zephaniah, Haggai, Habakkuk. Oh my, how many could we name 
the great cloud of witnesses and what are they waiting for? They're waiting for the final things to be said to bring this bride to a place of rapturing face when our character will be perfected by the grace of God and the trials and the tests and the things that we go through and finally the Lord God will look at the earth and say this place is no longer fit place for my sweetheart to live. Come home, darling. Come home, my bride. Hallelujah. And in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, praise God, our bodies will be changed and we will immerse into the cloud. Amen. Here we are. It's as if though everyone is silent and they're waiting. This man has to persist and this one has to persist and you like this little thing in you and you like this little thing in you and they sense it. They sense it. It's near. It's near. It's got to be getting close and they sense the drama. Oh my, they sense the euphoria. Who will preach the last sermon? Who will sing the last song? The last person will come to the Lord Jesus whose name is on the book. They'll receive the Holy Ghost. They'll come to a spot of maturity. And the Lamb stands up. I don't want to give this away tonight, but just to let you know, there was no seats. There was no benches. There was no place to sit. In the tabernacle or the temple. But when John saw Jesus, he was sad. His posture speaks of the success of the sacrifice. <laughs> Let's stand. Hallelujah. Notice verse 2, Hebrews 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. No high priest ever sat down. His work was never done. He offered the same sacrifice over and over again. But apparently this high priest and this sacrifice was different than anything that had ever been offered. Because this high priest, after the order of Melchizedek, could sit down. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. And you know where he was sitting? In the Father's throne totally forbidden by a priest of the Old Testament to be a king. The offices could not be merged. He could not be prophet, priest, and king in the Old Testament. Remember Uzziah? 
He was a great king, loved the Lord. But what did he want to do one day? Wanted to take the office of a priest and stepped out of his position. Hallelujah. But here we're talking about the one this was reserved for. What is Jesus? Prophet, priest, and king. So he's not there in heaven standing all the time, offering the same sacrifices over and over again. But he's seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't you love him, saints? Oh, hallelujah. And I know I've got the advantage on you. I know where I'm going here and you're, don't you? Just down there looking like a deer in the headlights, you know. But believe me, you'll enjoy it. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. I hear Paul say in Timothy, for there is one mediator between God and man. Now, this is after his resurrection. And he says, the man, not the theophany, but the man. Christ Jesus. You don't have a theophany interceding for you today. You don't have an angel. You have a glorified Jesus Christ. The man, Christ Jesus. The man, Christ Jesus, who can be touched with a feeling of our infirmities. I don't know if Jesus ever had a kidney stone when he was here. I don't know if Jesus ever had pneumonia or, you know, many of the things that we have today. But he suffered every perimeter of sickness in order to cover the whole scope of everything that was in that time and that would be hereafter. So he wouldn't necessarily have to have a, a gallstone or a kidney stone or, you know, have an emphysema in the lungs or whatever more. But he covered and, and suffered more than any mortal could have. You say, how could, how could you say that, Brother Donnie? Because he was higher than any mortal could ever be. So he come down so low and went so low that put more upon him than any of us could even bear, even think in our imagination. Praise God. But he's raised so high tonight. He has to look down to see heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't you appreciate him? Can you imagine Paul? Let's just read this last verse here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may build a tabernacle upon me. Which is what the word rest means. When you look at that, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't rather that the glory of God would enshroud and build a tabernacle of God's Shekinah around your life? But see, you'll have to take His word for that. Because more than likely, you won't see it. And maybe others around you won't see it. And what they'll do, they'll look at you and say, 
poor old thing. Bless his heart. Bless her heart. I feel so sorry for them. They've suffered. They went through this poor old thing. Oh, God, help them, poor old thing. And God has built a tabernacle of Shekinah around their life. And they're victorious, and they're going to be crowned by the crown of life. But it's only visible in the other realm because we look at them. Poor old thing. Their suffering is over. Oh, their suffering is over. If you only understood it, they were crowned in this life by revelation. This is the way he wants me to go. I'm okay with it. I'm fine with it. If he heals me, praise God. If he wants to take me, praise God, I'm fine with it. Don't you understand a person like that has already received a crowning in their soul by revelation from God? They're only waiting for their bodies to catch up. Well, you say, but Brother Donnie, they didn't get healed. They did get healed. They got healed of their mortality. Many times God don't want to heal them of cancer. He wants to heal them of their mortality. He wants to take all mortality away from their bodies. Oh, praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads together if you want. Lord Jesus, we must be honest before you tonight, Father. You know our hearts, so we feel that we can speak to you open and honest, Lord. We need your help with these things. To us, when a person is prayed for and we see the Spirit of God that will move for them, they're healed and maybe they've got a visible something wrong and we can see that thing lift from them and all oh my we rejoice oh hallelujah praise God what a miracle and it is but Lord I I think we need help sometimes in understanding a person may have that faith one time in their life and that miracle happens and it it's a burst an explosion of supernatural faith that's released to them it happens one time and they receive their healing and that's the end of it. There may be somebody standing by them or in front of them or behind them. And they're fighting something. They fight it every day. A similar sickness or disease or whatever more. If people could only see it and understand it, it takes more of a persistent, strong, consistent faith fighting it every day than it does that one-time, spontaneous, miraculous faith that may happen one time in their life, and that's it. But for a healing or for a claiming of the promise of God, when you get up one day and you feel good, and the next day you feel bad, and the next day you feel sort of good, and the next day you feel sort of bad, and people look at a person like that and think, they don't have very good faith. Oh, but if they only knew the truth of it, they have more resilient, strong, responding faith Many times in the person who will have that burst of miraculous faith. It only lasts for a couple of seconds and it's gone. It just drops in their heart and it's gone. It may never strike them again. But another person that's going through it and they deal with something for weeks or months or years. And they have that strong, persistent faith. And at the end, you take them and never heal them. And they go out with that strong, persistent faith. 
that is a much greater, enduring, long-lasting faith than that miraculous outburst that lasted for a couple of seconds. Teach us, oh God. Teach us. Lord, I don't want to pray anything off of me or anything off of your children that you want to be there. Neither do I want to accept anything from the devil that you don't want to be there. And it's a great challenge to try to find that in our lives. Because the devil will try to pull one over on us. He'll try to put something on us and try to make us think it's you doing it. So Lord, help us, I pray. But Father, I want to be able to bear what I'm supposed to go through with a resilience of faith. Lord, if you want me to go by the way of the grave, then Lord God, I pray I can be faithful to the end. I'd like to be alive and be changed. But whatever your will is, is what I want. But Father, help us, I pray, not just to read down in Hebrews 11 to those people who stopped the mouths of lions. I wonder if Satan didn't use that scripture against those who were fixing to be eaten by lions in the Roman Colosseum. According to what Paul said, the faithful stopped the mouths of the lions. The lion just ate your wife and your child and they're fixing to eat you. So apparently you don't have faith. Help us, Lord, to be able to have the discernment to know when the enemy is trying to take the word against us, Lord. Make us strong, Lord Jesus. Give me my part of the drama, Lord. Hallelujah. As I was that little boy years and years ago, Father, acting out my part in the drama, it was a small part. It was insignificant, really. But if I didn't do it right, the play wouldn't end right. My part compared to Paul is small, to Luther, to Wesley, even many great men in this day. But you, by your grace, wrote me a part out before the foundation of the world. And you put my name on it. Ain't nobody can take my part. Ain't nobody can take my place and say, well, here, let me have Donnie's part. He ain't very good. I know that already. And these people know it. They've seen me. And I know them well enough to know many of them ain't very good either. But you give us a part anyhow. And as long as we can stay humble before you and say, God, I, I, within myself, I can't do this part. God, I get nervous. God, I'm afraid I'll mess it up. Then we present that to you and say, I'll tell you what you do. You just keep getting weaker and let me get stronger in you and I'll act out the part. And I'll close out this whole finale with a rapture and a body change. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, Lord, we want to do our part. We want to read it, as it were. We want to memorize it, as it were. We want to do everything we can, Lord God, to do our part right. But ultimately, when it comes to the end of it, Father, we'll fail without your help. I'll fail without your help, Lord God. These musicians, these folks here, will fail without your help. But God, if we can get ourselves out of the way, that if you can take us, Lord Jesus, and use us, then you'll complete the drama that you wrote in our lives. And it will bring the crescendo of thousands of years. Thousands of actors, thousands of paragraphs, as it were, of the drama will be finalized, oh God. It was you at the beginning, you in the middle. It'll be you at the end that consummates the whole program. 
Granted, I pray, Father God. We love you, Lord Jesus. How many wants his help tonight in your part? Oh, he said, but brother, I'm I'm insignificant. I I can't do nothing. But friends, if God gave you a part to do, he must consider you important. Oh, but I don't have as much as so-and-so. That don't matter. Don't do that. Don't, Don't compare yours to someone else's. If God has your name on that part, just be happy you've got a part. Just be so happy that God's give you a part. Take that part. Oh, my love it. Cherish it. Amen. Don't be jealous of somebody else's part. Just take your part and love it. Praise the Lord. Oh, Jesus. Help me to do my little part, Father. If it ain't no more, then good night to all and God bless us all. Or Maranatha or whatever more my little part will be. Even so, come Lord Jesus. My, many of my brothers may have great paragraphs and great pages by which they will stand up and articulate the word of God. Mine may be so simple, oh Lord, but Father, you've got my name on it. Hallelujah. You wrote my name on it, Lord. Some of these housewives may think, oh God, they've never done nothing for you. As my wife says it over and over again, I ain't never done nothing for God. What can I do? I'm not important. Oh, but Lord, I I see a a part that you've written her name on. A part of that is being my wife. A part of that is being the pastor's wife and being an influencer at the church and being a mother and a grandmother and all that, Lord. But may each one of us, men, women, boys, and girls, Father God, may we find our part. May we execute it faithfully, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, may we not worry and argue and debate. Oh, I've only got two pages. I've only got three pages. So-and-so's got 14. They've got 40. What difference does it make? Our name is on a part of it, Lord God. Help us, I pray, Father. We worship you, Lord Jesus. You see our mistakes. You see our humanity, Lord God. And we'll take them and present them to you as well, Father. We won't give you our strengths. We won't give you the things that we're proud of about us because that's what gets us in trouble. And then the prophet said, we'll present those things and you'll take those things and do the job with. Praise be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we're reminded of the preacher, oh God, the great man that you used so greatly and he was laughed at and ridiculed and made fun of and, and someone come to hear him and, and, and condemned him and laughed at him and come up to him and said, why your English is so rotten and so poor and this and that and the other, throw it off on him and throw it off on him. He said, well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm taking my ignorance and one in thousands to salt to Christ. What are you doing with your education? So Lord God, we'll take our ignorance and our mistakes and whatever more if you can use them, Lord Jesus. We'll take our use, we'll take our old age, whatever we have in our hands, God. We'll present them to you, Father God. Take us, Lord, use us, Heavenly Father. Grant it, Lord Jesus, I pray. Help us, Father God. We love you, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight. Can we just love him, saints? Oh, don't you want to just surrender everything you are tonight to Him with all your heart? My, many of you have already embraced your part in the drama. Maybe the Father just wants to make it more real to you tonight. Just renew it in your soul. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You imagine Beethoven or Chopin or many of those men as they would write the great 
symphonies and ma, they would have the oboe and they'd have the flute and it would be written on the ninth and then they'd have the A minor and this and that and the other and there's a guy way back there in the back and maybe at the very close to it, they are just going and the conductor is just going and he's perspiring and many of the violin players, the first chair violin and all those, they played and played and played through the entire thing and yet the composer right at the very end, he put a part right at the almost of the finale, the last bar of music. The crescendo with the guy standing back there with two symbols in his hand. <laughs> He's silent the whole time. Everybody else is perspiring and they're watching their notes and they're listening and they're in a harmony in the spirit of the composer. He's just standing there and standing there and standing there and waiting and waiting and waiting. My, he gets up where he's pretty close to the last page and then the last line. And then he comes up to the intro into the last bar. And here he comes and he's standing right there. The people out in the audience, if they don't know the piece, they, they don't know how it's going to end. And there he stands. He may not can play a violin. He can't play an oboe. He don't know how to play a flute. But all of a sudden, because <laughs> that's the way it was written in the symphony. We may not be the greatest. Oh, hallelujah. We may not have the biggest part to play, but we have a part to play. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Jesus, help us tonight, Father. Help us tonight, Lord. Can you sing something for us, Harry? If you're standing near somebody there that you've been kind of hanging around with, <laughs> your wife or your children, can we offer a word of prayer for each other? Those of you that are standing there single, you ain't got nobody to pray for, don't worry, I'll pray for you. Praise the Lord. Can we just pray for strength tonight for one another? How many need strength in your journey? Courage, hope. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I bring your children before you tonight, Lord. Those that are visible, those that are invisible. Father, you know this time that we're in, and Lord, it just ain't right. Lord, we wasn't meant to break up like this in groups and not be able to assemble together. Lord, we wasn't meant, Father, to not be able to shake one another's hand and hug one another's neck. And we wasn't meant to live this way. But Lord, we're trying to do our best to minimize the damage of this virus. Oh, Jesus, please help us. Lord, we feel the pressure that's on the people. Lord, we can just sense it, Lord. Oh, Lamb of God, will you minister strength and courage to your children tonight? Those that are here, Lord, and those that are at home, and those, Father, may be streaming the service, maybe some gone for the weekend, and Lord, we'll go back and listen to it. I pray, God, wherever they are, wherever they will listen to it, Father, may the Spirit of God come to them, Lord, and strengthen them, I ask you, Lord. Father, even to those in Canada, those in France, those in Switzerland, those around the world, Lord God, that'll pull up these services, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, would you minister to your children, Lord? Oh, Lamb of God, you see all over the world, Father, your children as they're dealing with this thing, Lord. We pray for strength for your people, Father. 
It's a stressful time. It's a difficult time, Lord. We've never been where we are, but we believe our God is a mighty God. And we believe, Heavenly Father, that whenever we get weak, that your great strength is made more perfect. The prophet said, the weaker we get, the stronger you get through our lives. Lord, it looks out to me, we're at an opportune time for the greatness of God to move through us in such a supernatural way. We love you, Lord Jesus. Father, I think of so many in our assembly that are sick and suffering, many of them having serious needs. Lord, I think of my brother and friend, dear God, Brother Ron Spencer. Lord, you see the situation in his body, Lord, and still dealing with this thing, Lord Jesus. And Father God, this, this cancer, Lord God, and then steroids and things they're trying to give him to deal with it, Lord, causes his sugar to be through the roof. Lord God, I pray for my brother. In the name of Jesus, would you minister strength to him, Lord? Hearing from him today, oh God, and my heart just going out to him, Lord. We pray for our brother tonight. Pray for Sister Connie. I pray for his family. Pray for the church family, Lord. It's a burden on their hearts. I know it is, Lord. I know me, just what little bit I went through. This little kidney stone is nothing compared to what our brother's suffering, Father. But I know my, my sheep, they felt for me. They prayed for me. I can't imagine how his church is feeling. But Lord God, we're brought on this earth to serve your purpose. If it's in the drama of his story for this part to be in there, Lord God, and then three months down the road, six months down the road, a miraculous miracle will come his way. And the doctors will say, sir, we don't know what happened, but we don't find one trace of that left. It's that part of the drama. Hallelujah. We will rejoice. Lord, you know how we are as humans. If you don't show us, we just don't know. And that's what works on us sometimes is that uncertainty. We may not know what it is for from page to page but we know that our God brought us on the earth to serve your purpose and there ain't a devil in hell that can take us until that purpose is done Father God strengthen our brother strengthen not only him but Lord others I pray we love you tonight Lord Jesus we worship you Heavenly Father hallelujah we worship you Lord God thank you Lord Jesus Oh, Father, may our weakness be an opportunity by which greatness can be expressed. Then it'll have to be said, it was you that done it, Father. It could not be us. Hallelujah. How could those which were tortured and turned down deliverance on believing there would be a better resurrection, how could they do that on their own? When they stand there that day and receive the crown of life, they will have to say it was you, Lord God, that helped me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Sing something for us, Harry. Can we just worship him together a little bit before we go? Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't be discouraged, child of God. Don't be discouraged in where you are. May God quicken your part of the Father's drama to you. May you take your little line, your little paragraph, your, your two pages, whatever it is. May it be so dear to your soul. How many others are waiting for you to say your part? Hallelujah. 
And because you as a housewife, you as a sister, will live your part, the Father has it intertwined to so that it'll be, be a blessing to so many others. And you thought nobody even recognized you or knew you were a child of God. Praise God. His strength is perfect. Yes, Lord. When our strength is gone. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. You carry us when we can't carry
Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. How many can say you've witnessed that in your own life as a child of God? Oh, my goodness. How many times, friends, as all of us, Brother George, you come the last six weeks dealing with this kidney stone. I'll tell you what, I've hurt when I've preached. I've been sick when I've preached. I've been so weary when I've preached. I thought, God, I just don't think I've got the strength to be able to do it. I just don't think I can. But I thought, it's my place. And as long as I've got the strength to do it, I'm going to do it. Praise the Lord. Amen. How was I able to do it? Through His strength. How are you able to do it? Through His strength. Amen. The weaker we become, the stronger He is. Amen. God bless you, saints. Love you in the Lord. Trust the service is a blessing to your heart. Let's sing tonight. Let's sing the Bring Back the New again. You know, not, maybe sometimes not just things in our lives that shouldn't be there, but maybe the faith that we should have and the trust that we have. You know, Brother Donnie sharing that with us tonight, different situations sometimes. I, I don't think we have the trust that we should have that, these, that our steps are ordered. There's, there's nothing that has came as any surprise to, to our Lord. Let's just, let's just sing this to Him tonight. I can still remember the wonderful feeling Back when I first got to know you It seemed the world was mine I had joy, I had springtime But that's all just a memory anymore I guess I took my eyes off you, Lord And I don't want this kind of feeling anymore Oh, please bring back the way it was
sing that the more that I surrender. Let's just uh, dismiss tonight with this song. and Just remember the service in the morning. Pray for the folks that will be here. The more that I surrender, the lighter my load. The more that I release my cares, the more you take control. Hey